Hi, I'm JT White, author, digital native, and product person, obsessed with trying to find out how to make digital products and the people that make them the best we possibly can. This is Build for Better. My guest today is Ben Cavallo. Ben is an entertainment and video games industry leader, most recently supporting the build-out of films and games on Netflix. Prior to Netflix, Ben had worked at two of the largest global video game companies, 2K and Blizzard, working across various roles in publishing, marketing, and technology end of games and esports. Ben has worked on some of the entertainment's biggest brands across video games and films. In 2023, Ben founded Midwest Games. Based in Green Bay, Wisconsin, Midwest Games is a video game publisher focused on creating opportunities for the abundant talent across the Midwest and other underrepresented regions. Personally, Ben has become a voice I look forward to hearing from very often on LinkedIn and on panels. His willingness and desire to work in public is inspiring, and I'm very excited to have him on. This is Ben. All right, Ben. So I'm, I'm very excited to have you here because in the past like week and a half, I've been talking about you behind your back to, <laughs> to, to a bunch of people uh, because my my living in Charleston keeps coming up with folks. And so much of your story uh, really does have to do with location. And so I really want to kind of focus on that today just as a centering topic. So before I launch into questions, like, what's your sort of, what was your ethos? Like, why? why? <laughs> yeah, why is the great question. I get that constantly, especially having been at Netflix right before this. Yeah. Uh, why? Why would you leave Netflix? You got to be insane to leave Netflix. Uh, and I, I, you know, and part of it is I do feel <laughs> insane to leave Netflix, you know, and that the paycheck, like they're, you know, known for paying top of market and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, it really does come down to, I grew up in Wisconsin. I was actually born right outside Atlanta, Georgia, but most of my life I've spent in Wisconsin. My whole family's from Wisconsin. That was their their journey out for a little bit before coming back. But it always bothered me. Why is video games and entertainment not bigger in the Midwest? Uh, and not bigger, you know, in a lot of places, you know. And I have a bias, obviously. But as I was exploring San Francisco and L.A., you know, traveling all over, in each of these different hubs, I noticed, wait, so many folks are from the Midwest. So many folks are from Wisconsin. Like every, we always find each other. It's, it's pretty incredible. Maybe it's the fact that I wear a cheese head around or, or, or any of that kind of stuff. But, but ultimately, I kept finding the people that were from the place that I was from. And I was like, wait, if all of this incredible talent is out here creating all of the entertainment that's happening in the world, the biggest things happening in the world. Why is it that that isn't happening where I'm from? It doesn't make sense, especially with Chicago right in region, the third largest city in the country. You know, why is it not happening? And so that was really the beginning of my journey of like, well, how do, how do I solve this problem? And the minute I started like going through a problem solving exercise, like that's, you know, that's my cup of tea. You know, I'm an operations guy. Like I'm like, okay, well let's figure it out. Let's, you know, so I got really curious and started down, you know, the path and down the journey and decided to leave Netflix from that point. So 
Oh boy, so many things already. Uh, we'll start. We'll we'll start big and work our way down the funnel. Why do you think it wasn't happening yet? Like, what's your sort of like? What's your take on why it's not happening as of right now? Because I think that the other thing I want to say in advance of this for everybody is like, it's not just the Midwest, right? Yeah. Like, you're tackling the Midwest because it's your home, and you kept meeting more cheeseheads, and we're like, we could do this at home. Uh, but it, I think it's true for like the Southeastern quarter in general. Yeah. I think it's true for like lots of other pockets in the country. So like, why do you think that is? So, you know, I think it goes to our mission. Like we're actually Midwest and other underserved regions because there are a lot, uh, in the Midwest. I think it's, it's specifically because, uh, there's a level of like humble, that comes with it that doesn't really match entertainment sometimes and the flashiness and, and some of those things. And, you know, and there's just also kind of this like belief and, you know, that cool things can't come from here. Uh, and it's, it's a really odd self-fulfilling prophecy that is created uh, by the individuals when in reality that like it's, you know, Hollywood, if you spend any time in Hollywood, you know how like, it it pretends to be something that's not quite uh but by pretending to be that it makes itself that at the same point and and we can do more and the amazing thing is it actually historically has been done in regions like the midwest if you look at the history of the midwest heck uh dungeons and dragons was invented in wisconsin uh midway uh, one of the largest video game publishers, one of the most successful video game publishers in history was based in Chicago. They yeah. created things like Mortal Kombat, NBA Jam, NFL Blitz. Like they were one of the premier arcade video game uh, publishers and, you know, struggled with the transitions over time. Uh, so innovation does come from these places, but, uh, you know, for a long time, it's just been undervalued. I think there's a whole psychological aspect of things that if you don't see it around you or if you don't get the support. And the reality is uh, the talent goes to where the money is going to pay the talent. Uh, and the money is in very few places. It's, you know, it is on the coasts. And for entertainment wise, especially video games, it is in about four uh, areas and the four areas with only three states California, Washington, Texas, and really like in California, it's San Francisco, and then LA. And then there's a little bit in San Diego as well in Orange County. Um, so, you know, kind of a SoCal area, but really it's those four places in the country. And that's it. Even New York is far behind everything else, even though in other sectors, other areas, you know, New York is a major staple because there's so much money going into the, into those areas, just not as much in the video game sector. Yeah. I think the money thing is a really interesting one, right? So one of the things that I've been so impressed by your journey is that you not only went to the Midwest and said, we're going to do it here, but you raised in the Midwest too. And yes. it's just like, it's a, you know, it's an, it's a fact of foundering is that like, you have to spend a lot of time thinking about where you're going to raise capital from and making sure that they, there is both capital to be had. And I think what, what you learn, the longer you do this, the right kind of capital yeah. to get involved. And so when I look at like the Southeastern quarter and specifically like in the Charleston and South Carolina region, there is a fair amount of like, there's a lot of money everywhere. 
Let's just be mm -hmm. candid, right? Yeah, like, there is. There there's is. money everywhere. But the money tends to be spent and invested in places that they're comfortable with. And in your world, it's gaming. In my world, it's AI. That's not really, I'm in the same spot, right? AI work lives in basically like three cities, <laughs> like maybe four, maybe four. So what was the process like for you in not only identifying, but also maybe, and I don't want to, I'm not, this is not a dig at your investors, but maybe having to like really teach your investors up on all the stuff that you knew because they probably don't get pitched a lot, right? Of like what you were trying to kind of like get them involved in. Yeah, no, that's exactly my experience. I think for us, the the where um, was a big a big piece of it. We knew in order to authentically launch our brand, being Midwest Games, we had to get investment from within the Midwest. Like otherwise, it was like, oh yeah, it's Midwest Games, but they're actually funded by California, and that just didn't feel authentic. It didn't feel towards the mission we were we were working towards. And so our big focus was Midwest uh, and specifically Wisconsin. That's where we ended up getting most of our money from. But it was a giant challenge because to what you just spoke about, that is, this is not an industry they're used to investing in. There is one studio that has gotten uh, investment uh, and then found success per blue. Uh, and that's the example that everyone kept like using uh, as I was going through. So at least they had kind of forged, you know, the path a little bit before I even started. But then trying to get them to understand what a publisher is compared to a developer, you know, the you know the only comparison I could really do that made them understand it was a book publisher. Like think about what what a book publisher does. And so that was uh, a journey to educate. But I was very, very, very fortunate that. About five years ago, a venture capital firm was created in Green Bay, Wisconsin, called Titletown Tech. And that firm was put together by combined efforts of Microsoft uh, and the Green Bay Packers, which is such a unique, odd combination in so many ways. The most, uh, the most Wisconsin thing ever, by the yeah. <laughs> But I mean, what was amazing is uh, it showed that... Uh, there was interest in investing in the Midwest and growing, and there was opportunity. They knew that there was talent. That's why Microsoft invested in that. And they saw that because so many of the leadership uh, uh, folks in Microsoft were from the Midwest. And they just looked around and they were like, whoa, wait a second. We're all from this region. Yeah. Uh, and they were able to action upon it. And so I was able to come in and build a relationship with these folks. We had relationships from the university that I had gone to. And I, you know, I really literally came in and, and just uh, was visiting, I think talking to some of the other startups that were, that they had funded. And I was like, Hey, do you have like 30 minutes? I had this idea. And then that 30 minutes turned into a two hour whiteboard session where we laid out this whole idea, what it could be, all that kind of stuff. And then they're like, hey, come back when you actually have something, you know, fleshed out. And without them being here to do that, you know, it might have been, you know, that flame that starts at, at the beginning of an idea might have very quickly like died out because it was so convenient for me to just take the paycheck and stay at Netflix that had I not had that spur in the moment, it might have died out. So like having something in each of these different places helps to grow that 
that spark even, even further and turn it into a fire that can actually go out and start to start to ideate and start to work through these ideas and and start to solve these problems and so that really kind of helped me get started down the line um and it and it it's funny because it really came from something that was from the coast but then you like look at microsoft even the president of microsoft brad smith is brad smith is from appleton wisconsin uh, and so like there's these connections and as these folks that are actually in power positions start to make decisions um, that that could impact these other places, some of those micro decisions can become macro impact. And that's really what I focus on is the micro of me building this company in Wisconsin can actually create a macro impact because we can convince, you know, the industry that. This can be done in a low cost of living, low cost of labor uh, place. And there's other companies that believe in it too. It's a copycat game, right? Like people yeah. just like, they see someone else do it and then they're like, okay, I'm going to go do that too. Yeah. Well, I th- and what I think is really interesting is that how important it is to have at least that one tent pole. And unfortunately it is the money, right? Like having somebody there who's showing you they're willing to put the money up because then it, it creates companies like yours that become sort of the North Star where you go, oh, yeah, well, they did it. Now it's a thing. Because what happens and what, I've, what I'm seeing, and I've seen it all over the country, by the way, is you see coastal flight. You yep. see the flames ignited in places and they go, and there's really, really, really incredible talent to help build, build it where you are. And it's the quality of life that you want. And there's sustainability and there's either sunshine or snow or whatever your thing is but there's not the money. And then it's like, well, I guess I got to go do this in LA. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> after brain drain. We, we call it, we talk about it all the time, brain drain, uh, where we are losing incredible talent to the coast because we don't have the opportunities. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and it's just to the earlier question of like the investment, investment in Wisconsin is very much in healthcare and manufacturing and, you know, farming and, and kind of traditional industries. So if you have an idea for that, there is so much money to be had yeah. there, but uh, going around trying to work with, uh, with these same investors and get them to understand video games was tough, but they were very open to it. Like they were very curious. They wanted to learn. And, and as much as some of them, like I couldn't get them to be comfortable with it, that's that's fine. They're on their journey to learn more about it, which I think is a step in the right direction so that eventually, maybe down the line, maybe it's the fifth, sixth, seventh company that eventually comes to them and says, hey, video games could be done here. They may be at that point uh, actually do invest in it and then see the benefits of that investment. Uh, and then there's a couple that took the bet um, and and really uh, believed in what we were building, believed in the piece of the ecosystem that we were building. And that's that's the other big piece of this is I look at things as kind of ecosystems and systems in general. And in my industry, there was a giant missing piece. And that's what I was trying to solve for was bring in a publisher because a publisher is a is the the you know the lifeblood of development because they invest in a number of seeds some of them work some of them don't but the ones that work create more seeds meanwhile we're consistently in, investing and investing and investing all in the games industry and game development and it gives people the hope you know they might be working for raven software in madison who works on call of duty or or uh, ea's building a respawn studio in madison as well to work on apex legends now you want to work for that for a while. It's a great, you know, it's a great 
game that you get to work on, a big name game, um, the fact that you get to work on that out of Wisconsin. But eventually they might want to create their own game. And if they don't have somebody that's going to support them when they go off on their own, they might not. And that's that's where the challenge of the ecosystem and making sure that you have somebody to catch them as they grow. Yeah, the, po- the power of the network is always like very interesting. The, the book analogy is a really, really solid one, right? Because like it's, 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 there, there's so much more to it than just distribution, right? Like when it works the way it's supposed to work, it's the community, which I think is very interesting given the conversation of, of location right now, but the community of other people in your space also rooting for you as opposed to being an independent, which is just really hard. Like, you know, same as like a founder, if you're like a standalone individual founder, it's so much harder than when you have a team of people to rely on to like breathe into, breathe life into you. And sometimes very often breathe like back into you because you feel like you've been shot and killed multiple times throughout a month. So yeah. yeah. Well, it's just such a, especially in games, a multidisciplinary uh, field that even though a lot of these folks can learn these aspects over time, there's too many to learn to handle absolutely everything. Yeah. And yes, there are examples of folks that do it, but that is like taking a lottery ticket and, and betting your entire game and you know potentially five years of your life on saying, hey, I'm just going to take a lottery ticket at the end of this instead of upping your percentage chance. And, and it's dramatic. You know, the Steam data is out there that shows if you go with a partner, you're your chances of success go up dramatically because they handle all of these things around you that you aren't even thinking about that even like with us who are dedicated to it are a huge challenge all the time. And there's always new things that are happening. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I want, I want to double click on people for a bit because you mentioned sort of that, like, you know, what I, it's for you, it's Midwestern sensibility, right? In the South, it's Southern charm. Like there's all these little, little things that get associated with different places. Like, how do you think that helps people and like what makes you most excited about it? And are there challenges in it too? Because I do think there's a, there's a like noticeable, like, look, I've, I've taken Charleston on, but I'm from New York and it usually takes people about 16 seconds to figure that out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm in a unique position where, I think I, I, and I spoke about authenticity a little bit earlier. I'm able to come back and authentically build this business because I'm from there. I like I, it is, it is my journey that I went through and I know exactly what so many others in the region are going through. It'd be much harder, even though the business proposition would still be there, be much harder to do it without that authentic message and so what's really fascinating about the region uh and also speak to the midwest um is it's in like there's a pride that comes with being a hard worker you know it is more blue collar even the you know the white collar workers are more blue collar uh in in how and how they approach things how they think about things uh how they want an honest day's work how they want to to be fair with their dealings. They don't want to um, over or underpay. Like they want to, they don't want to be taken advantage of. But they also don't want to take advantage of somebody else. Um, and also, you know, I'm a big fan of Dune, for example. Uh, and it's great timing because Dune's about, you know, uh, coming out as well. Um, 
And the thing that I love about Dune is it's just a fascinating like exercise and, you know, what Frank Herbert like thought about is that, you know, in a place that doesn't have as much, you become really resourceful and you, and that actually be, can become your superpower. Uh, and, you know, in the Dune books, the Fremen who were often looked down upon and they were just like desert people that, that, you know, didn't like, were just like tribal, you know, in the negative way that, that uh, society sometimes looks at that, which is just silly. But actually what these people were, were the most powerful warriors in the universe. Uh, and they had learned how to survive on, you know, just, barely any water, you know, barely anything uh, out in a desert. And then, you know, the the Atreides come and use them, basically, and they become their fighting force that takes over the entire universe uh, because they're so powerful, they're so strong. And I think, you know, in, in a less extreme way, uh, the Midwest uh, is, is a fascinating place because these game developers, the talent here, They've had to do more with less because they're not getting the dollars. They're not getting the support and the people that do survive and that do like even thrive and, and, and grow. They are like, I think leaps and bounds ahead of somebody that, that was given a lot was just handed things or just had it more convenient than anybody else, because they're just not going to go as far as somebody that wasn't handed things and still has the same desire to do the same thing. And so I think that's where we can unlock the Midwest to be a, a strong place of giving people the opportunities, giving them the resources they actually need. And then I think they're going to thrive off of that. And that's all from scarcity. Uh, and so it's a fascinating, like way beyond my, my, uh, I guess, uh, psychological and <laughs> especially degree wise, I don't really know what I'm talking about in, in that, that area, not nearly as somebody that's actually studied all of this, but there is something there about, about the mindset and how people, uh, react and what they take pride in and, and that they want to be fair and honest with, with their dealings. And that means for us, we have to be a fair and honest a publisher and and work with our developers that way. Otherwise, we will then become non-authentic. Uh, and frankly, when you become that here, you become a liar, a cheat, and no one wants to work with you at that point. Yeah, it's so interesting. So I, I was, you know, I went to school for evolutionary psychology, so I love to nerd out on, on some of this stuff. And that's also a big reason why I do the podcast is because like there's people and, and like everybody's experiences fascinates me. One of the things that I've found to be so genuinely incredible about not being in New York or LA, right? Like, well, just, I'll just say that. Mm -hmm. um, Cause that's where I spent most of my career was kind of bouncing between those two places. Even when I wasn't like living there, that's still where I had to go all the time is I do think there's a, I really think the fair thing is very interesting. There's a sense of fairness that exists in the rest of the country where, and it's really interesting in the, in the venture side. And it's very interesting in startup land, like when you're bringing people on initially, because that sense of fairness really does kind of define a company. And it's so polar opposite than the coasts, because on the coasts, when you get something, something for less or like in a good way, there's like the celebration. And then like, as you move further in from the coasts in the country, people feel worse and worse about that, that thing happening. Yep. It, it is. It's a really fascinating difference in building culture around 
and also brand, like building your brand out in such a way that it reflects the morals of the people that are in the company in such a way that people want to do business with you or even will do business with you, to your point, I guess. Well, it's such a funny, I was uh, literally on Wisconsin Public Radio this morning. Uh, and right before my segment was going to come on, I was listening to this previous segment. And the whole segment was this this author talking about place and location and, and how he wanted to, like they had to move because they had kids but they they loved the house so they made he made this agreement with his wife that they had to be he had to still be able to walk to the house that they currently live in there was a bunch of restrictions they ended up finding a place um and what he talked about was something that's that is is speaks to exactly what you uh just talked about was he then found this older couple that wanted to downsize uh, and he had to convince them that he needed to pay them more right. for the house because <laughs> he felt like it was un- he was taking advantage of them, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. and that that wasn't right uh, and that wasn't okay. Um, especially this this older couple. Meanwhile, the older couple was like, no, like they were so excited that another family was going to be able to come yeah. take care of their house, and that's just not something that happens in LA to be honest like when you find a price you're like oh my goodness you got to jump at that like what a deal um not thinking about the people uh, that are involved in it but it it completely speaks to it of like the idea of fairness and and then authenticity and the relationships and and everything that kind of goes around and so I think we need more of that and if we can like you know push that a little bit more in other areas I just think it makes the world a little bit better because you're not taking advantage of people and yet you still benefit. Everyone still benefits from the, from the area. It's not like there has to be a winner and loser. Both sides can benefit. Yeah. So, so speaking of both sides benefiting, one of the things that I get challenged on a lot, and, and, and to be honest, it's one of like one of my very close friends challenges me on it personally a fair amount where he'll kind of like push back on me and he'll, he'll give me the like, you lost, you're losing your edge you're losing your edge now that you're not in like the, you're not in the hype cycle. You're not where, you know, you're not living in New York anymore. Like, do you feel, I, I guess, let me actually, I don't want to leave the, leave the witness. How do you, how do you feel about that? Like, do you feel that at all? Do you think it's healthy, unhealthy? Like what's your sort of take on getting out of the hedonic treadmill, definitely leading the witness um, <laughs> from both, from being on like one of the coasts. <laughs> I mean, you probably already know my feelings somewhat about it. Uh, but I mean, the reality is, and, and you probably see it where you live as well. There's still people with edge. There's still people with like that are go getters that are like trying to make stuff happen that are the, like the deal makers. Um, it's just, there's a different, like, uh, overall societal norm around that that yeah is different uh but frankly like it it allows for more positive to happen when you just aren't trying to take advantage of of everybody at all time it doesn't mean that you can't have your moment and i have to talk about this a lot with uh, you know being humble uh in wisconsin and the midwest like we need to be a little bit less humble it doesn't mean we need to be fake or inauthentic, but it's okay to be proud of what we build. It is okay to say that out loud and to speak it loudly and say, hey, like, look at us. And in fact, that is helping not only your business, but everything else around it because it creates highlights of everything kind of going on. And so 
it's not that you can't do some of these things. It's just how you do it and that there's a level of real that comes with it and, and that it is backed up by something. And that's the problem is you just don't always know is this thing real? Is it not? Uh, and obviously you see it all the time in just in startup land, all the, like anyways, like what is actually real? Cause a lot of people will come out with bold things, but are they going to follow through? Are they going to be uh, authentic with the product? Are they going to actually, you know, make it and care about their consumer and, you know, is it even real at all? We see it a lot in the game space, you know, with Web3 and, and, and blockchain. And, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, bad players uh, that are in the space that are only trying to take advantage of the moment um, and don't actually, you know, don't actually care about the thing. Whereas, you know, in games, like, there's so many people that care so deeply. Like if you're a fake player, you will get found out eventually. Right. Um, but you come into the space really loud and proud and you just like burn your way out of it and then leave a lot of people in flames on the way out. So I want, I want to try this on with you because I think you're in a particularly interesting position to have an opinion on it, which is, so this is what I, this is how I've been answering that question. And I don't know if I fully believe this yet, but I think it's, I might be onto something. The thing that's interesting, and I think it's healthy potentially for like, let's just go coast, right? Like New York, LA, San Francisco. The level of competition among your competitors drives you to be better. And so that creates a lot of the, that creates a lot of your momentum potentially, which by the way, like competition's healthy as long as it's done kindly, which we can talk about that later too. But what I find to be really interesting and what I've kind of fallen in love with as I've specifically in the Charleston area, like I have met so many fucking cool founders here that are really, really smart and hyper passionate and they are competing, but they're competing with their problem. They're not competing for the biggest class A office or a spot somewhere in the, you know, they want to get out of Studio City or whatever. Like they're competing with themselves on the thing they're solving so much more so. So it's what so much more insular. It's almost like the difference between playing golf and some other games, like the ball sitting still, you know what you have to do, but you have to do it. Like, I feel like there's something that I'm seeing a lot more in not the coasts in those kind of founders, because they're so hyper fixated on the thing they're solving that the noise, the signal to noise ratio from the outside of their walls is affecting them less. And I think potentially building better products because of it. And more collaborative. Uh, you know, I see it. I sit in a shared office with other startups and, you know, there's there's another game startup that's in a different space called Demiplane that is a, a all about digital role-playing games and, like, digitizing role-playing games. And the awesome thing is we just collaborate and we get excited about the potential of just building it out here and doing more here. Yeah, and the coast, it just gets hyper-competitive when you think that, you have to win like or somebody else has to lose for you to win right so you don't share it you're you're uh there's no transparency in how you're approaching things which i think is a big negative whereas you know in my space i'm like yeah this is what i'm doing like if someone else comes in the space wants to do the exact same thing that i'm doing like exact same thing okay cool like 
go do it. Like, and, and let the, you know, and, and if we indeed compete, which we probably aren't actually when it comes down to it, uh, let the best, like, you know, the best proposition win. Uh, yeah. Let the let the consumers decide who is doing it best. And luckily, I'm in a space that actually none of us are competitors. I talk to publishers all the time, and we're all actually just trying to help each other find the the best thing that works. What our you know thesis is and our our aim is, and and so yeah, it is just a completely different approach, uh, and you know, with so much money happening and moving, you compare yourself against everybody else uh, in these, in California, like Silicon Valley, like everyone's like, oh, well, this founder got this. And so like, they want to be that next thing and they breed it and they take pride in it. Um, And a lot of that stuff is like, wait a second, why are we even doing all of this? You know, like bring it back to like the perspective of how we're like, you know, are we actually making the world better? Which that was the joke in Silicon Valley for a long time. Everybody in their like mission would be like making the world better. Uh, And no one was. And then, you know, the largest company like, like Google, like, you know, their, their whole, you know, thing was don't do evil. And, you know, like uh, that's not, that's, you know, that's not their motto anymore. Let's just say that. Uh, And, and so it's just really fascinating to see that where, Actually, when you get into like the more the middle area of the country, and frankly, other regions outside the country, they don't make these like bold, grandiose statements. They're actually trying to solve something that's actually more real and relevant in the moment um, because they're not just coming up with ideas just to come up with ideas. They're actually trying to solve something that's happening in their ecosystem. And I think that's a big piece of it, too. Like if you're in Silicon Valley, you have to be solving something or if you're a a harvard graduate you have to be like you're expected to you have to like that's what you have to do uh and in reality some of those ideas are just terrible you don't need to come up with ideas just to come up with ideas it's like content right like you know the people that are like well this is how you make you know really fast turn content it's like but does the world need that content uh it's like make content that create some kind of value on the world that consumers want to attach onto because it's making their life better or more entertaining or whatever whatever it is that you're bringing to the table not just content for content's sake yeah we we talk at at my company we talk all the time about like you know as we're a video company and we're like video has a purpose Mm -hmm. so like when you're creating a thing like state your purpose before you even sit down like what are you doing here and then afterwards at the output, like it, I think all of us would be better humans if we like started with that and then ended at that, which is like, okay, this is what I did. Did I, did I serve that purpose to the point that it makes me feel good about releasing this in the world or not? And it's okay to sometimes be like, actually, no, this is going to take a little more time. And it's like, cool, right? Maybe take more time. <laughs> That's not necessarily always a bad thing. All right. So on the time thing, the work-life balance difference between and I don't want to say between, because the truth is, is like they're to your point, like blue collar workers work a different kind of hard. Mm-hmm. And I, I do think that that's just a very interesting. And there's a lot of actually really interesting science and studies behind that. But how do you what's your take on the expectation of work life balance out of the coasts? And, you know, are you like aligned or not aligned or what have you learned since you founded the company? Yeah, well, I'll go back to even before I found it. I was I was fortunate to work at Netflix where the whole point was to work smarter 
not longer. Uh, it wasn't about being there until 8 p.m. It wasn't about any of that stuff. In fact, if you were working that, you were probably doing something wrong, right. uh, which is a whole different you know, switch to the culture that, that is very prominent in that, in that area. And so, but the pace of life is, is very different between coming, you know, from LA to Green Bay, Wisconsin, the pace, the amount of things that are happening around the ability to like concentrate on other things. Like I've been able to actually get into better workout routines and, you know, more time with my wife and more time with my dogs and, and whatnot. It's not doesn't mean that I'm not working hard and we're and working, you know, a lot, probably too much at times still, but that's the a little bit of the nature of a startup, right? Yeah, um, but but you know, it's getting to a more healthy place over time. And I'm also emphasizing with my team around taking breaks and making sure that uh, you're able to come as your best self to work because you're resting and because you're taking time off and you're getting away from the work. And I notice it when somebody comes back from vacation, they are refreshed, they are more productive um, and, and they just have a better outlook on, on things. And that's not, you know, you have to just grind and grind and grind and grind. And I remember earlier in my career at some of my jobs, like that's what I did. And, and I was really good at it because I took, my blue collar mindset and put it towards this white collar like approach. And I was able to, to really excel my career and move fast and get opportunities that others weren't getting. And I was fortunate that I had, you know, uh, management that encouraged that and, and supported that and, and appreciated uh, that I, you know, never took things for granted. I always tried to over deliver uh, upon everything. Um, and so the, a lot of that came from, uh, from my Midwest roots, and that helped accelerate me in this place that is supposed to be, you know, cutthroat. And like, you know, to to your comment earlier, uh, you know, just around like the edge that that people have. Actually, my Midwest piece is what moved me past a lot of folks um, because I just I put my head down and, and worked hard. Um, and tried to learn as much as I possibly could and grow as much as I possibly could. Yeah. I mean, Netflix is very well known. And like, you know, there was that deck that came out forever ago, but like, it's the idea of output, not hours, which I think is like definitely how you want to build a company for sure, because you want people to stand by their output, not how hard they worked. Like Impact, what, right? Yeah. Right. What, what did you create? Right. And I do think I, like I, violently resemble that remark like i don't know how anybody lives in la because like in new york like it was just like there wasn't sun a lot and like now i live in a place where there's sun and i'm like oh i'm gonna go for like a bike ride like you could surf i live like not too far from the beach i'm like oh this is great i'm like my friends that live in la i'm like how often do you surf They're like oh never i'm working i'm like you should surf more <laughs> like yeah. i think you'd be better i think you'd be like a happier person it might be really good for you to get out in the sunshine <laughs> Well, and it's sunny all the time. I think the, the, you know, what's also interesting, you know, just about being in some of these places like California, California is awesome to live in. Like it is beautiful. There are, there's so much to do, but because you get that all the time, you take it for granted. And I think people, again, like to the, to the idea of not having something, um, uh, it breeds you appreciating the thing when you, when you get it. You know, for example, Wisconsin. Wisconsin has 
the most water parks in the world in in any one place uh water parks in wisconsin like the place that's frozen six months out of the year uh and that's because when it's not frozen people go out and do stuff and they spend so much of their disposable income during just this very small sprint during the year because they can't do it elsewhere so they're out camping they're going to water parks they're yeah. going you know to the lake they're going and doing things uh and out and about and that creates uh a, a more action driven kind of community where when there is the opportunity they go out and do it and in fact we're even seeing it with uh we're trying to get MDev, which is the event in Madison, the game dev event. It's kind of like GDC, which is the Game Developers Conference in San Francisco, much smaller for now, um, uh, and based out of Madison. But you know, the minute we started to really promote that, uh, especially last year, uh, and say, "Hey, this thing is is here. Like, come out for it." I really promoted hard on my LinkedIn, and luckily have a large following within the uh, game development um, community. And we doubled attendance uh, because people are willing to come out if they know that there's something going on and, and they will action. In fact, so much so that uh, I had a guy come up to me after I gave the keynote and he goes, hey, I came here from Hawaii uh, for this event. Um, <laughs> so he came to Wisconsin in November <laughs> to come to this event because he was originally from Ohio. Uh, he really wanted game development to, to take off in a larger uh, way in the region. And he wanted to actually come back. And so he saw this as a bridge to do it. So I think the the fact that weather and seasons and things, it actually gets people to action things in the moment yeah. because you don't know the next time you're going to be able to go to the beach or to go to, you know, the water park or go do something because it's going to be a frozen wasteland <laughs> at some point. <laughs> yeah, I definitely, yeah. So predominantly, I, mean, like I was, you know, I was raised in upstate New York. So like we had, you know, no snow. Like it was like every morning I remember looking and being like, do I have to go to school today? There's a foot of snow on the ground. It's like, yeah, you do. It's like, gosh. This yeah, is it's only a foot. It's not six feet. Like, like figure it out. And I'm like, oh, I got to take the bus though. You don't understand. Nope. <laughs> All right. So before we get into my final questions, which are more kind of like fun and, and silly, but what's the, what's the one thing that you would really, like if you had to pitch people on, and I'm not saying that like, by the way, like New York and LA are also great. So San Francisco, yeah. like we're not saying that they, there's a they have a place here. In the I room. love LA. Like uh, first, yeah. I love it, and I you know uh, there's a part like I still have my house there. I go back, but I'm in like 70 percent. I'm in Wisconsin, um, and I love it. Like there's so many amazing things about it. It's just it's there's a lot of negative, a lot of cost prohibitive. Uh, people make it out to be a bigger deal than it is, uh, especially like. Like I get it in the Midwest a lot. Like they're like, oh my god, like all of LA is flooding and whatnot. And I'll text my friends and they're like, yeah, we got a little bit of rain. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I always loved in, in the city anytime that there was like, there's a foot and a half of snow and nobody would get anywhere. I'm like, I'm on the six train, dog. We're fine. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're pretty good. But I do think so. Like that said, what would you? How would you encourage people to rethink, reframe the way they think about where they should start a business? I mean, A, you want to do it where you feel comfortable. Like, you have to have a level of, like, already starting a business is putting yourself outside of your comfort zone so much. You want to have some things you can base 
some level of comfort in because you're gonna <laughs> be so uncomfortable anyways uh but you know where like i mean really look at you know some of the opportunities i think as i was evaluating you know me starting a business i'm like oh like the costs in wisconsin and the midwest like are just so dramatically lower like you know an example is uh my house in la i can rent out my smallest bedroom in my house and i am able to pay for a luxury apartment in green bay yeah Uh, and frankly if i bought a house it would pay like that amount would pay for a mortgage uh in in green bay have a very nice house uh and so the cost is is an evaluation um you know really thinking about uh what you know what, what's the talent around? Like, do you think there's opportunities? And a lot of what I was told is, well, there's not going to be any talent here. And I'm like, well, I disagree with that. Yeah. Um, and actually what's really fascinating, if you look at the migration studies from 2021, 2022, so many people left and we haven't really seen the updated studies yet to see where they landed. But a lot of my bets are they landed in places like Wisconsin, uh, and, and places, you know, throughout the United States that aren't New York, L.A., Seattle, San Francisco, Austin, Texas. I have a thesis on this, actually. I'm so happy you brought this up. I, by the way, purely anecdotal. I have no I cannot back this up with any data. Okay. But I think I think what I have observed and I have seen a lot of is people go back to two places. And they usually go back to the place that brought them the most joy. And what that likely is, is either your childhood or college. Yep. And so what I'm seeing is like lots of like the amount of people who are coming back home, quote unquote, home to College of Charleston, because yep. they loved their college life here. And I'm finding these people that are just like randomly at these events. And I'm like, oh, I was in New York for five years. Oh, I've been in San Francisco. I've been in L.A. I was in Seattle. And I'm like, oh, what, you, what brought you back? They're like, you know, during the pandemic, I just had a chance to redo things and think differently. And this is the place I wanted to come back home to. Right. And it's like, I really do think that like when the studies land, I put good money on those two things probably being yes. I, I feel confident I'm more right than wrong in both of those things. No, and, and I think you're absolutely right. And what they're doing is really fascinating. And this goes into what I think we're gonna see across the entire country is they are trying to bring back what they loved about New York, LA, yeah. San Francisco, and they're building it wherever that place is whether it be their hometown whether it be their college i'm in my college town now like this is this is you know uh uh, where i want to help build and and grow and whatnot and you know what is what's happening in these places is they're creating you know the speakeasies and they're creating like these fun experiences and these new businesses that are happening there and they're bringing these things that that are really awesome about these large cities and they're bringing it to a smaller scale so that you know as people are like whoa like i went to cincinnati like i I recently went to cincinnati for the first time and cincinnati had a bad rap for a long time their downtown is awesome uh and a piece of that is you know uh one of the studios we support guyly games chris bergman lived in LA for a long time, a founder, had had a lot of success, went back to Cincinnati. You know, he's built a comic book shop, you know, in one of the the buildings that he's in. Uh, He's built a bar. Uh, He's running a game studio. And like, there's a whole influx of making these downtowns and these like, 
you know, smaller, but they're really mid-sized, still large cities, uh, more uh, like some of the benefits of that. Maybe you don't get everything, but you get a lot of it and you get it at a fraction of the cost. And so uh, I think we're just going to see a lot of that and a lot of like the growth of the mid-sized cities. So places like Madison and Ann Arbor um, uh, and Cincinnati and Columbus in, in the Midwest. Uh, and then there'll be a lot more. And then obviously outside of it as well, I think we're going to see that all the way through. And so look at yeah, College Town. Madison is growing tremendously, especially in game development, is growing tremendously as well. But also in AI, they're really doing trying to do a lot more because the university uh, is, is leaning in heavy there as well. And so I think it's going to be the growth of the mid-sized city. Yeah, we're, I mean, we see like, you know, Charleston, Columbia, then you go up to like RDP and Raleigh and Charlotte, like those are the places where, again, really good schools. There's a huge collection of schools in like this five or six hour sort of circle window that you can get to. And like, look, the reason that I fall in love with Charleston, like I love New York. My wife and I absolutely adored living in the city for 10 years. And it was great. The East Village, I'm ride or die East Village. Like, you know, my joke is I moved here because I refused to move to Brooklyn. But like realistically, like what this place meant to us during the pandemic is I'm in love with it forever for that reason. And when I talk to people and I meet these incredible other founders and these really cool businesses and these like really great people who are trying to like help the startup world get more firm here is, is just like give them a reason not to leave. Because yep. the truth is, is like if they do come back, now you have to keep them here. Because the one thing that is also happening is I think there's a boomerang effect because now a lot of these bigger companies are like, hey, it's time to come back to the office. And so you've got, we have to collectively, all of us founders that are like really trying to figure out how to make these things work, need to give all of them a reason. And you just brought up a brilliant point, which is some of the coolest parts have made their way here. So there are speakeasies and dog park bars and whatever, you know what I mean? Like all that stuff's already happening. So now they just need to be able to support themselves and do work they care about. And then they're good. And then the coast will still be the coast. And those cities are not going to get less cool. They're always going to be awesome. It's more a matter of like, how do we make other places just as cool? So well, how do we bring opportunities to the talent? Um, exactly. And then how, how do we retain it? I talk about it a lot. Like, you know, ultimately we're, we're not going to keep them over the long span if we don't continue to give them opportunities um, to be here, especially if some of these big companies do indeed uh, force people to be close to work, even though it's still hybrid and some of them are still remote, which is really stupid. Uh, and... Uh, you know, giving them uh, these opportunities and that, you know, takes uh, some different incentives and things like that. Right now we're fighting hard to get uh, a tax incentive uh, for video game development in Wisconsin and get a 30% tax incentive, which will bring more people there. And we're already seeing interest from other companies outside. Uh, There's already proven models because they know that talent is here, like EA building a respawn studio to house Apex Legends development is a huge feat. And it adds to what already exists in the the area. And if you get a tax incentive, uh, then it's going to really give an incentive to move away from just the coast doing things and give an alternative, which Austin, Texas for a long time has been that alternative in in many different industries. But now Austin is far too expensive for a lot of folks. And where's the next Austin? Uh, And my bet is it's going to be a a number of mid-sized Austins uh, that are going to pop up throughout the country uh, in different regions. And one of my bet of where that is, is going to be Madison, Wisconsin. I love it. Well, I listen, one of the things that I've been so 
very grateful for having you in my circle and meeting you is like the, this, this desire for you to work in public, which is a huge ethos of mine as a human being just in general. And it's a thing that, by the way, I was shit at for most of my career, but in the past Same. couple of years, I've learned, I'm like, oh no, this is better. I'd rather like both succeed and fail in public. And you've been so gracious about that with even just on LinkedIn, like just sharing what you guys are going through and doing that. I think that, you know, look with as much as you've shared and as much as I think people are watching you, I have a funny feeling Madison's going to do just fine. I think you guys will yes. do great. Well. Yeah, Madison's going to be great. Green Bay, I think, is going to grow quite a bit. You know, investment by Microsoft, uh, you know, what's happening with the Green Bay Packers. They're really thinking about, you know, they built out this whole title town district as well. They're going to house the NFL draft next year. They're going to be a lot of exposure. I think it's going to breed a lot of, uh, more companies coming here, innovation, money coming here, which will breed more. Um yeah, it's it's uh, it's exciting, and but I think to the point we talked about earlier, part of the reason I'm doing it is because I'm highlighting what already exists. Like right. uh, you know, and I would I wouldn't feel authentic coming in and being like, "Look at me, I'm building an industry here," and like all that bull. Uh, you know, when in reality the industry's been here a long time. What Raven has done in Madison for thirty, almost thirty four years, or maybe they're at thirty four years now. Uh, you know, Brian Raffle and, and that team have, have been doing it for an incredibly long time. For me to come in, you know, many years later and try to stake claim to any of this. No, I'm just building upon the backs of what they've already done and trying to highlight it and say, look, we could do even more. Um, uh, and we just need to maybe be a little bit mo less modest uh, and be like, hey, w this is awesome. Like we have some incredible talent come build your business here because the talent is here uh, and while they won't say that they're incredible what they do look at what they do right. it is really incredible well maybe that's the benefit of us having been from the coast and doing what we did for so long because i feel the same way as i didn't come here and like create anything i came here and like this is a really terrible example but like I've, it's like this is the christopher columbus thing like i just showed up and cool oh. shit was happening <laughs> i was like oh. The difference is, is I'll be super loud about it because I'm like, guys, this is dope. Like, do you see all these cool people around here? Like, which is really interesting and really fun. Well, look, I want to be mindful of time because I'm so grateful that you made any for me. Uh, so let's run through the final question. So written by, by Bernard Pivot, made famous by James Lipton, amended by me for businessy things. Uh, what's a quote or a concept that you love? Quote or a concept? Uh, there was a quote and I'm not going to get it right right now because it's off the top of my head that was put at netflix a lot around um you know don't don't uh ask your team to go build a boat and and just ex like and show them instructions and whatnot like make them dream of the open ocean uh and then they'll figure it out themselves like they will they will they'll get there uh the, we're all smart smart people um you know, just enable people to, to do their best work. And, and I don't need to tell them what to do. I just need to give them this, this vision of what it could be and then get, bring the right folks in and break down barriers where, uh, where they ultimately need to be broken down. And that's, that's really my job. That's brilliant. Uh, what's a quote or a concept you dislike? Oh, well, I hate, you know, uh, I hate, data bro culture I, I like to call it like you know the over analysis especially in my field i get it in some fields uh it makes sense but 
when you're in a creative field that is creative content, trying to like make everything efficient and everything like, you know, this is how you have to do it. Like ignoring the fact that this is a creative thing. Uh, I just hate the over analysis, you know, the people that uh, claim to know everything about data, the claim to like, you know, uh, especially we see it a lot in like free to play mobile and, and whatnot, where these companies come in and they're, they just, they just want to, uh, do predatory monetization things towards consumers that completely destroys what is a creative product. Um, And so that's a whole, that's a whole thing that I just really, it bothers me. Now data brings value and informing your decisions with data is, is will accelerate you above and beyond what just someone looking at creative does too. Uh, so it's a balancing act of not going too far in, in any one way, but if I'm going to lean one way, it's going to be creative because we don't know what the next thing is actually going to be. People, people can predict all they want, but then, you know, pal world comes out and hell, hell divers two comes out and like all these games that no one predicted to be like massive successes. And meanwhile, uh, uh, you know, the Suicide Squad fails massively, which everyone would have bet was the thing that probably would have would have succeeded. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, what's a job other than your own you would love to have? Oh, I my dream was to to go into sports management. That's actually why I went to UW Green Bay originally. So my, you know, my my dream job, I think at this point is probably not general manager. That was originally my dream, dream job. Probably like president of the Packers. Like that would be... Yeah for me just just absolutely incredible it's a pretty good one uh what's a job other than your own you would never want what i would never want that one's a tough one uh but uh if if i like i think one of the toughest jobs in my industry is community management um because you have to be on the front line of some really just brutal conversation and and like the mental health uh, topic for community managers needs to be talked about a lot more because yeah, when you're just like always seeing, frankly, negative, especially if if you're you know have to spend a lot of time on Twitter, like it just it takes a toll on people and the you know just how people can just you know uh, be unhinged with with uh, not treating someone else like a human being. Uh, that is not something I'd ever want to do. And I, I think it's something we just have to be better at supporting the folks that are on that front line because what they're doing is so incredibly valuable um, and they don't get nearly the credit and they get taken advantage of. They get paid uh, much lower than, than their peers that are you know, marketing strategists and, and others. Uh, and so I just, I just like that one be, would be a tough one for me because I, I don't think I could do it, like to be honest. Yeah, here, here. I know for a fact I couldn't. Uh, what what turns you on spiritually, creatively, or emotionally? Uh, anything that's like a new like idea, like building something, like uh, innovation. You know, I I love. Uh, you know, I I, I want to see us get to space and like you know like all of that kind, all the sci-fi. I love sci-fi so much. Um, and so every new innovation that's happening right now i'm super excited about cloud gaming what the future will be five to ten years from now uh, that gets me super excited imagine being able to play anything 
anywhere at any time on any device uh you know that's that's an incredible incredible future for gaming and i think it's very possible um at some point so that's that's something i'm super excited about uh what turns you off spiritually creatively or emotionally uh, i i hate folks not that, not that i hate the folks but i hate when when it's all about the doom and gloom and the you know the the everything that's wrong in the world if you want to look you're always going to find something that's wrong always at all times there's this is an imperfect world with massive issues all the time uh, but i just believe that we're not going to fix anything we're not going to make it better if we're only ever focusing but we shouldn't ignore it right it's it, we should we should be aware of it we should pay attention to it but it's like turning it into well how do we make it better um rather than well it's just terrible everything's terrible that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair uh what's a product that you absolutely love a product that i love that's a that's a tough one like i don't even like think about the products i use any use anymore i think the a product i really appreciate for what it is uh is steam mm. um they're far from perfect but they have created something that's lasted test time for you know on on pc and uh and i hope they keep improving it and they have enabled more indie devs to succeed than any other platform has figured out which is uh which is Im impressive to me and so uh you know in where i'm at right now supporting indie devs like that's something that i'm thinking about a lot and you know and, and ultimately impressed with nice what's a product that you wish was better or have very strong feelings about oh uh, i mean um I'm not an Apple fanboy. Uh, uh, I, 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 you know, have a PC, and obviously Mac is is crap for playing video games on, and so that's that's no good. But uh, I really wish that app stores were better. They're just uh, <laughs> they are just they take advantage of people. You pay thirty percent towards a store that is essentially automated in so many ways, and then when you have an issue it never gets solved and it's a challenge. Uh, and, and so just app stores in general um, as well, like Google doesn't like, it also isn't, you know, it has its challenges as well. I just wish there were more competition and, and there's some legal actions that are at least like opening up some of those possibilities. Um, it's just, we see what can happen when somebody has a monopoly uh, or a duopoly, I guess, on, on a, a market. Yeah, it's not never ideal. And then finally, if you could solve any one problem through technology, what would it be? I I wish we could solve how to get along as a human race. Like in general, if we could just we could solve so many other things, but if if we could just solve how to communicate, how to work together, even if we disagree, uh but that we can progress forward, um that would be a heck of a technological solve. <laughs> I, I think that would be perfect. <laughs> well, Ben, listen, I am so wildly grateful that you exist. I'm so wildly grateful that you took the time to have this conversation. I have so much. I've learned a lot from you already in watching, and I continue to, to learn, and I'm very grateful that we all get to watch you. So thank you for taking the time to share. Thanks, JT. It's been awesome.